Howard Dream, Cowboys. Welcome back to the Westworld Podcast Game of Thrones Season 8 Recap and Review. Today we're going to recap and review the series finale entitled The Iron Throne. I'm James. And I'm Ryan. And this is the Westworld Podcast. It was really surreal for me that Game of Thrones was over, man. Uh, it was hard to accept because it's such an institution now, culturally, and and everyone's always talking about it in person and on social media. I was slumped over in my kitchen, depressed, just feeling so empty inside, not knowing what was going to come next. 19.3 million people watched this finale, James. That's a lot. For as many people who say they hate it, they sure did watch it. Yeah, there's been a lot of hate, and I don't think it's as bad as everyone said. Although my expectations were not high, so I I could not be that disappointed no matter what happened. But all in all, I, I didn't really like a lot of the story choices, but I did like the episode. Oh yeah, no. Listen, some of the story choices were bad. <laughs> like they, you can't get around. And again, and like if you have been watching the season, if you've been watching the last two seasons, and you got to the end, and you were like, "They're gonna turn it around," I, you know, like I, I don't think that's realistic. Some of the story choices were just not good. I look forward to seeing how the books end to see how different it is. But I will say, James, I am heated today. I am three fire emojis and a dream. Because the internet, as this episode ended and the day afterward, there were so many people who thought they had very unique opinions that were very clearly the bandwagon. And it was annoying and gross. Yeah, and we should say, and I'm sure we'll talk about this more, we know that there's a very vocal tingent of people who hated it, but I bet you... There's even more people who liked it, and because they had a positive reaction, they didn't immediately go online and, and rage about it. Right, all the people with the positive reaction. I'm, I'm sure, like, the hot take is the uh, on this finale and the last two seasons and the show as a whole. The hot take now is, you know, you know I, I kind of liked it. And someone just like, no, we're burying you. Bury you six feet under. Shut up. But I, I'm so angry at the naysayers today, James. They, we all spent three days in real time watching this show. And then the complaint at the end is that you wasted our time, Dave and Dan. They're ungrateful cucks, James. They're all, they're all awful. I had qualms, James, with this show. I had qualms aplenty. But, like, I just, anyone who jumped on the train of hatred and believed that that opinion made them unique and and made them like stand out from the rest are obviously stupid and i like they it felt like they were saying you know i hate game of thrones so i'm better than you but you're not you were the same opinion as almost every loud person on the internet it feels like the people who had this, the other opinion were one being buried or two just like keeping to themselves because they're like, yeah, I, I liked it. I, I didn't like exactly how it went, but I liked the way it made me feel. And I don't feel the need to tell people that. I don't care. I loved the first 
so this episode is kind of broken up into acts like a movie. I loved the first 30 minutes. The first act, basically, of this uh, was perfect for me. Not so much the second and third acts, but the first 30 minutes were awesome. The show picks up right where the last episode ended, and they're walking through the devastation of King's Landing. Tyrion's horrified. Jon Snow's horrified. And the Dothraki and the Unsullied are lining up for a victory speech. They're stoked, dude. They have accomplished the goal that their queen has set before them. In the opening credits, there's no more Lannister lion above the throne. There's a crack in the map room, which we'll see later in the show. And some of King's Landing looks worse for wear. To be honest with you, I was kind of hoping more of it was on fire, but it wasn't. As you said, Jon Snow... Sir Davos and Tyrion are are taking stock of the ashes and you know this is this was once Tyrion's home and he sees it in ruin and as they're walking Tyrion's like I'm going alone because you know and I was like you know he he's gone alone multiple times this harkens back to when Cersei left the the meeting last season about the white walkers and he's like I'm going alone. And everyone's like, that's a poor plan. And he's like, I know, but I'm doing it anyway. Daenerys lands at the top of the stairs, which lead to the Red Keep. And there's this great shot of her walking forward as Drogon spreads his wings. And it's like, she's a dragon. And that was really cool. Cheesy, but I liked it. (laughs) She kind of looked like a succubus more so than a dragon. Although, to be fair, they were dragon's wings. So perhaps you have to give that to her. This is all while Tyrion is going into the bottom of the Red Keep, searching for Cersei and Jaime's body. He sees Jaime's golden hand, and he clears away the rubble. Only, like, one layer of bricks. Feels like not enough bricks to kill them. But to be fair, you know, from a production standpoint, you can't have Tyrion there uncovering bricks for hours and hours. And, you know, he's devastated. Uh, Also, I thought that one of them would open their eyes, you know? Yes, yes. I, I saw Nikolai and Lena Headley's names in the cast, and I was like, are they are they alive? I assumed, <laughs> but, uh, <no>. I assumed <laughs> that Cersei's eyes would open and, like, she'd be dying but have one last word with Tyrion. But I was fine with that not happening. She and Jamie, you know, died in each other's arms. They're very, very dead. They're not coming back to life. And Tyrion breaks down over them. Meanwhile, John finds Grey Worm about to execute some Lannister forces, and he's like, "What are we? What are we doing here? What are we doing here? Do you look look around you, man? The city is on fire. We don't have to be killing these people anymore." And he was like, "I, uh, he being Grey Worm, he's like, I'm following orders. All the queen's enemies must die." And and John's like, "Whose orders are that?" And he's like, and Grey Worm's like, "Oh, the queen." And Jon Snow thinks to himself even further, boy, oh boy, are we all in trouble. Right, but I mean, Danny's like still in the sky at this point, so I guess she she flew by Grey Worm a couple times, shouting down from the dragon like, <laughs> kill all the soldiers, cut their throats, even if they surrender, I'll be back in a second. <laughs> even if they surrender! <laughs> that would be, I mean, if, the, if it did happen that way, I would honestly feel less bad for the Lannister soldiers. John grabs Grey Worm's arm, and the Northmen and the Unsullied point their, like, spears at each other for one moment. I was like, God, is there going to be a rumble in the jungle? 
Danny gives two speeches, first in Dothraki and then another one in Unsullied, the summation of which is basically, well, we won the war, and what happened today was awesome, and we're going to do some more of it, and we're going to take it global. Uh, Grey Worm, you're the new the Minister of War, which I don't think is a small council position. She just made that up. To be fair, I don't think she is going to have a small council. It was going to be Tyrion and Grey Worm, because Jorah's gone and Barristan Selmy is gone. It was going to be more just like Danny and her and the friends who try to tell Danny what to do, and she's like, nah. Except for perhaps Grey Worm, who she's kind of seeing eye to eye with lately. By now, Jon Snow and Tyrion have caught up with her, and Tyrion approaches her and uh, resigns his job and throws his pin on the stairs really disrespectfully, and the Unsullied are not liking it. No, they react the way you'd assume they would react, which is poorly. But, you know, Tyrion has a great point. He walks up to her, disgusted with her, and says... You slaughtered a city, which I was so glad when he said that. I wanted someone so badly to be like, hey, Daenerys, you know that genocide you just, you just did? You did it? You did it yourself? Well, that was bad. And she basically tells her guards, take him away, which they do. And Jon Snow follows after them. And, uh, I don't know, I guess they they all go into the Red Keep together, kind of awkwardly. Except then, Arya catches up with Jon Snow, and is like, Hey, uh, this is terrible. Your queen is crazy. And Jon affirms that, no, actually, she's your queen, too, so all our queen is crazy. God, how many times can he say the line, She's our queen? That's like, it's like, it's like a, it's like a speaker box. You just, with only one button, and it's the She's our queen button. While Arya's standing next to him, like, full, covered in ash and blood. And he's like, what happened? What happened? What happened? You know what happened. You were there. Arya says a line that I think is pretty dumb. She's like, what, you think Sansa's gonna kneel to her now? And I was just thinking, well, she better. Or did you not just see what happened? Daenerys will kill her and burn all of Winterfell if she doesn't. So the only reason you would not bow to Daenerys at this point is if you didn't care if your whole town got burned. Right. Arya says this to him, and it doesn't really register, which is stupid, because Tyrion's going to say something similar to him very soon, and then it does register? And why does he trust Tyrion more than he trusts his sister? Or, you know, whatever she is now to him. And as he leaves, she says, be careful. I know a killer when I see one. And I was like, yeah, you're... Oh, do you know a killer? You just watched her commit genocide. And now you're like, oh, man, she probably kills people. I really like the next scene with Tyrion and Jon Snow. They're not two characters that have too much duo screen time with just them. And this was a good one. Tyrion basically makes the case for why Danny is bad and needs to be stopped. And Jon sticks up for her, and I thought this was good writing. I was hoping that someone would make Danny's case for her. And to be honest, I found what Jon Snow said persuasive. I found a lot of what Tyrion said dumb. Tyrion was like, yeah, okay, my sister and my dad killed hundreds of people, but Daenerys killed thousands. And it's just like, okay, so now it's just a race to the bottom. 
you know. Oh, no, Danny's not not as bad as the Night King, so she's not that bad, right? Well, the Night King is an ice demon, and she's a bit of a fire demon. They're both kind of demons. Anywho, um, which is blasphemy for Team Danny fans. But to be fair, Team Danny fans are going through a lot right now, and they can't quite comprehend exactly what's happening with their favorite character. Tyrion says to John, I suppose that's a crude kind of justice. I betrayed my closest friend, Varys, and watched him burn. Now Varys's ashes can tell my ashes, see, I told you. Which I did like that line. I liked that line a lot. John quotes Maester... Aemon. Aemon Targaryen says, love is the death of duty. And then, you know, I thought that was a good callback. But then Tyrion... This is like... And this happens a lot in this episode. And I don't think it's a big thing in the past. It's like Marvel humor. It's like a quippy, punchy little joke in the middle of a serious scene. Tyrion's like, did you just think of that? And, he was uh, surprised. I thought that was lame. <laughs> But it's not. We get a lot more Marvel humor in this episode. Sorry, I know you don't want naysaying, but I'm just nitpicking, okay? Listen, I'm fine with the naysaying. Just don't believe that you're special. <laughs> you know, he, he reiterates that Varys was right, that he was wrong. Our queen's nature is fire and blood. John's upset that of the notion that the blood defines her, or blood defines any of them. And... That's when he brings up, like, you know, she's killed so many... You were there, man. She's killed a lot of people. And he brings up the traumas, Missandei's death, Rhaegal's death. It was like the audience having a conversation with themselves as to if it was justified for her to do what she just did. And Jon Snow is the people who are like, listen, she was in an isolated, weird place. And then Tyrion being like, yeah, who cares? Genocide. The conversation basically ends when Tyrion more or less threatens Jon that eventually Daenerys will burn Sansa if if she's not stopped, which I guess convinces Jon, but it didn't convince me. I'm like, no, I think Sansa's going to bend the knee now when she sees what happened here. Right. Do you think if given the chance Sansa does a Randall Tarly and stands there knowing she's going to be burned alive? I'm... No, because Sansa is the new Littlefinger, so she would she would come up with some other clever plan and not just let herself and her town be burned to nothing. You don't think she's the Jon Snow, like, honor-filled person who's like, no, burn me. Burn me, you idiot. But like, again, like, this is the same thing Arya said. It's now been told to Jon twice of, hey... What do you think is going to happen to your sisters when they're like, this sucks? Which I thought was a solid point. I mean, to be fair, what you're trying to get John to do right now is pretty extreme. Well, I mean, not as extreme as slaughtering a whole city, but pretty extreme to the point where the only way perhaps that you are able to justify what you're saying is, listen, she's probably going to kill your sisters. Don't you care about that? You know, you're the shield of men. You've already tried to do the right thing no matter the cost. You tried to protect the people. Who's the threat to the people now? And, you know, he's referring to Danny. John goes to meet with Danny, and this is a beautiful scene. I don't, people are complaining about it. I liked the entire thing. Well, to be Basically, fair, I think they're complaining about it because of the thing that happens. John makes the case to her that now that the war is effectively over, she should 
have clemency for everyone who stood against her and just end the war and call it an end. And she's like, no, the people who stood against me need to pay. This isn't going to end. Once we get rid of all the bad people, we're going to have a good world. Oh, oh boy. She's sounding more and more like a villain, right? Like we're going to, we're going to have a good world once we wipe everybody. I don't like out as John's walking to the red keep. Drogon appears from like under the snow and looks at Jon Snow in the face. That was a great moment. Very cool shot. Daenerys is alone in the throne room, sees the Iron Throne for the first time in her life. She's visibly overwhelmed by the emotions of actually seeing it. She walks up to it and touches it, which is not what she did in the prophecy. In the prophecy, she goes to touch it and then takes her hand back. But now she actually puts her hand on the throne as john walks in she said what do a thousand swords look like to the mind of a little girl because she 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 was told that there were way many swords and i was like is this the show making fun of itself for its tiny little throne yeah because in the official like book cover art the iron throne is like a chair at the top of a giant staircase made of swords it's it's much more big and imposing as john is explaining his side danny says you know, we can't give in to small mercies, which is like, why? Anywho, and John is distressed by this. He says, what about everyone else? All the other people who think they know what's good. And Danny says, they don't get to choose, which felt like that was the moment where the straw broke the dragon's back. Or I guess the wolf's back? I guess the wolf's back. <laughs> Danny implores John to... Join her, and they will rule the galaxy. And he says, you are my queen, and you always will be, and kisses her. And because I'm such a sucker, for a second I was like, yes, they're not going to kill Danny. They're going to do an interesting moral compromise ending where John's going to set aside what he knows is right and, you know, try to make it work with this person. And I was like, that'll be an interesting... And then he stabs her. Bam, stab through the heart. You get stabbed. The thing that kind of everyone thought was going to happen happens yeah when he goes in for the kiss i thought the exact opposite i was like oh he gonna stab her not really oh at the point where she said they don't get to choose my exact reaction was oh get stabbed kid get stabbed but to be fair i've always been sort of against danny as a character like i said if you're on team danny you're mad about this and i get that if in this moment, Danny believed that John was going to turn against her, going to commit treason against her once more, and had Drogon come out of nowhere and eat him, I would have been incredibly angry because I don't think that I because I, I like Jon Snow and I want him to succeed. If you're on the other side of this and you like Danny and you want her to succeed, they've done their very best to be like, no, 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 man. She's bad, don't you get it? But like if you're on if you're if you're hard team Danny, not even a genocide will pull you that way and then you see her get stabbed through the heart no less, which is it feels like they're kind of they're bowing to the prophecy a little bit there, but not really. You know, he just stabs her and she falls to the ground looking betrayed as heck. John is in despair that he just had to kill the woman he loves. Drogon comes into the throne room through a giant hole in the wall, I guess sensing that something happened to Danny, 
We get a really sad, like, Return of the Jedi when the Ewok is, like, nudging the other dead Ewok to try to get him to wake up. Drogon does that to Danny, And uh, that pulled my heartstrings a little bit. Oh, my God. It was so sad. I mean, this is a woman who just murdered millions, not millions, thousands of people. Still, a lot of people. An amount of people where you're like, that might be too many people. And still, when Drogon's like, Mom? Mom? I was like, oh, <laughs> Drogon. Yeah, totally Simba and Mufasa uh, at the end of the first act of The Lion King kind of scene. And John is Scar. Drogon opens up his giant dragon maw and flames start materializing. And you think for a second Jon Snow is about to get destroyed. But at, instead of, I mean, well, the dragon doesn't necessarily know what happened. So instead of burning Jon, who he's got some kind of rapport with, he starts blasting fire all over the place. And he directs all of his last flame jet at the Iron Throne and completely melts it into a puddle of molten iron. I think the dragon knows that John did it. I mean, he looked up from, he saw the sword. Dragons are supposed to be just as smart as humans, if not smarter. And he looks up at John and, you know, he had to make a decision like, who drove this sword into my ma'am? And I think, so I think he knows it was John. And so the dragon in that moment had to make a decision. Kill the person who killed his mom or do something else. And... I think they chose the poetic way on this one. I mean, it was very Lord of the Rings. The dragon burned the Iron Throne like the one ring was burned in the lava. And then, you know, he gently picks up his mother's body and flies away into a gloomy sky. So, but let's unpack this for a moment. So the the internet was, was a little bit in a hubbub about why didn't Drogon just kill Jon? And some people were like, maybe it's because the dragon knows he's a Targaryen and doesn't want to attack him. Maybe if he got, you know, dragon fired, it wouldn't even affect him like it wouldn't affect Danny because he can't be burned, but we will never know that. But yeah, it feels like Drogon knows what happened and makes the decision not to kill Jon. And that's a little perplexing and I, we'll never know exactly why. I think killing Danny is a dumb idea. Not, not, well, obviously, it's maybe it's a good story idea, but it's a dumb idea for John and for Tyr and for everyone in the country. Half the country declared for Danny. Do you think the Dornishmen give a shit if King's Landing got burned? They're probably dancing in the streets. Also, the Northmen are probably happy about it too. Remember the Northmen from seasons like one, two, three when they were basically savages they were like the crazy savage kingdom they don't give a shit about king's landing they hate those people they're probably glad they're gone i I there's no realistic way where killing danny doesn't just kick off another war i know that's not what happens in the show but what happens in the show is really forced and unrealistic right the reaction of the unsullied and the dothraki post daenerys getting stabbed in the heart is super unrealistic, and which is to take John prisoner and not to just go insane. Oh, oh yeah, they would just rip John and Tyrion to shreds. Grey Worm would torture them to death. There's it doesn't make any sense. We'll hold on to them. They might be valuable prisoners for when we negotiate what, since you know we have 
We have no cards on the table. All we have are these two guys and a little army. It's, it doesn't make any damn sense, and it's it's dumb. But, I mean, everything's everything that happens from this point on is just forced to make a, a, a cute, happy ending. It's it's the the biggest form of plot armor that the show has ever put at our feet for the next hour or so. Like, once this scene goes to black, it, it was going to end the way it was going to end because that's the way they wanted to end it. And no matter how we got there, we were going to get there. And, and you know, logic was just going to be flushed down the toilet. Because you're right. Uh, the, the fact that Jon Snow is still alive after that is... Doesn't make any sense. Yeah, smash cut to some time later when all the leaders of the great houses of Westeros have come to negotiate with the Unsullied and the Dothraki, which is, is still strange in my mind that... What they're they're holding King's Landing, and and now they're going to negotiate with the Unsullied, these people who they're foreigners and they just basically lost the war since they don't have Daenerys, they don't have the dragon anymore, they have nothing. Yeah, we should say Drogon flew off with Daenerys to join the other characters at the end of Return of the King. Sansa's there, Brandon Stark is there, Arya, Yara. Sir Brienne of Tarth, Sir Davos Seaworth, Gendry, Samuel Tarly, Jan Royce, a, a Robin Aaron who totally Neville Longbottoms, by the way. If you don't know what Neville Longbottoming is, it's being a weird little kid who looks weird and then growing up into a man. Yeah, the Tully guy is there. That was surprising to me. I thought he was going to be done in the show for sure. Nope, um, Edmure is still there as comic relief. And this nameless Prince of Dorne who gets, like, no lines is there, too. Right. All he gets to do is chuckle to himself. So the Unsullied uh, have John and Tyrion, and they're willing to negotiate so long as that there's some kind of punishment for the killing of Daenerys. And Grey Worm has brought them Tyrion to figure it out. Doesn't make sense, but let's all move on. Tyrion starts talking... And Grey Worm is like, you don't talk here. And then Tyrion goes on to do a monologue. <laughs> yeah, he does a famous Tyrion monologue. It's like, you know, at the end of Mr. Smith goes to Washington and he convinces them all that we, we, we don't worry about who the new king is. We're just going to choose a king right now. We're going to do a Plato's Republic Council of Elders will choose the Philosopher King kind of deal. How does Tyrion go from being told to shut up and not speak at all to proposing the new way to choose the leader of the kingdom? Yeah, he's like, Your Honor, I'd like to deliver my closing arguments now, basically. Uh, there's, 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 there's two more instances of Marvel humor, you know, like a, a punchy, quippy joke in the middle of a serious scene. Edmure Tully tries his hand. He's like, I'll throw my hat in this race. I could be king. I'm, I'm a pretty cool and well-respected guy. And then Sansa literally tells him to sit down. S Uncle, sit down. <laughs> the show becomes totally conservative and reactionary as Sam proposes a form of democracy and then everyone laughs at that. They're like, ha democracy, that's bullshit. Feudal, <laughs> the feudal system's the only thing that makes sense. We gotta have a monarchy. Oh, democracy? You idiot. He sits down dejected, but I did like that he brought it up. 
So now all the leaders, I guess from now on, all the leaders of the great houses are going to commune whenever the king dies to appoint a new king. And the first one they choose is Bran at Sansa's suggestion. Sansa, I guess, is, I, I think she's being Littlefinger right now. She's like, why don't we have my brother do it? Because he's such a fair and an impartial guy. And she didn't suggest king, it. Tyrion did. Okay. But, but then as soon as it happens, she's like, and then by the way, the North is going to be free forever. Right. And as she said that, the rest of the houses were like, oh my, that was an option? But yeah, let, I don't let's know unpack. why everyone else was just like, okay, so now that she's proposed that uh, Dorne is also going to be independent, and Bran would be like, I have no strong feelings, do what you want. <laughs> right. So yeah, Tyrion goes from being told not to talk at all, to throwing out that Bran the Broken should be king. Who has a better story? He's our memory, he'll lead us into the future, he's the three-eyed raven. He couldn't walk, but he learned to fly. The 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 joke that everybody was putting on Twitter and claiming to be their own was he was the kid in a group project who did none of the work but got an A plus anyway. Yeah, Bran was just like critically underused these last two seasons. He's omnipotent and has the power to bend men and creatures to his will, and he just does nothing for two seasons. Right. So I guess let's unpack Bran being chosen as king. Can we both agree that it's a little bit dumb? So I mentioned that the betting websites had him as the number one to to, to take it yep. uh, with the best odds. And that must be based on the leaks, which I still never read. Maybe they you know, gave that away. And so that affected the betting odds or whatever. I didn't place a bet. I should have. I should have put it all on brand and let it ride. I didn't. Biggest mistake. It's dumb brand's character is so boring i guess he'll be a good king since he's the buddha and he has he's not greedy or 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 violent or, or, or have any discernible character traits do you think a more fleshed out brand will end up being king at the end of the books no that's stupid there's no way any of this is happening in the books it already like this the setup for this to happen in the show is completely based on the stuff that happened after they diverged so there's there's no way to reconcile this some of the elements might appear like maybe danny will go crazy but i don't think that john will kill her and i don't think that bran will be the one to be king and i don't think Tyrion is ever going to be danny's hand of the king like that none of that shit's going to happen in the book well i'll be very interested to see how it actually turns out after all of this Bran the Broken is now king. He makes Tyrion his hand immediately. And Tyrion's like, I don't want it. And Bran's like, yeah, well, I didn't want this. So it doesn't matter what you want. I am king. And I am too... There's no Iron Throne, but it's cool. I already have this neat antique wheelchair. Tyrion pays a visit to John in prison. He informs John that... To make everybody happy, the compromise that they came up with was, surprise, he's going back to the Night's Watch, baby. John got such a bullshit deal here, man. I, if I were him, I would hate Tyrion. It's like, hey, man, I know I talked you into killing Daenerys when you didn't want to do it. Uh, and well, now I'm going to lavish in luxury as Hand of the King. Uh, you're going to go be an incel at the Wall and also... Your brother stole one of your thrones, and your sister stole the other, and neither of them are going to give you a pardon, because fuck you. 
apparently. Right. That doesn't make sense. It's it's very much because they the showrunners had a had an image in their mind for what they wanted the end end to be, the actual last scene, and to make that happen, John had to go back to the wall. You might recall Tormund before he said goodbye to John at Winterfell said, "You have the north in you, the true north. You should be up there too." That's where Ghost went. That's where Tormund and all the wildlings went. And that's where you belong. So perhaps we should have seen this coming. John bids farewell to his family. They all announce, you know, oh, Bran's the king, Sansa's queen in the north, and Arya's gonna go be Christopher Columbus. Right, and this is not the first time she's brought this up. When she was talking to the actress that would eventually die who was taking care of Arya, who she was supposed to kill in season, boy, five or six, one of those. She claims to the actress that, the actress asks what she wants to do, and she says, you know, what's west of Westeros? Nobody knows, and I want to go there, and I want to figure it out. So it's not the first time she's brought this up. Sansa is going to be the Lady of Winterfell. Bran the Broken is now the the king of the six kingdoms, which is weird to say and weird to hear. And Arya is getting on a boat and she is going west just to see what's over there. The Unsullied are getting on a boat. They're going to Noth to to fulfill the promise that Grey Worm made to Missandei. But like they're leaving. They're the only people who are mad about John. How does John still have to do Yes. What's his the point? Thing? They're gone. <laughs> The point is, that's where they want John, and they yeah, wanted him just, to be there so at the end, forced. but it's, it's very, very forced. So, there's a really nice scene of Brienne finding the white book of the commander of the King's Guards, and it's got everyone's history in there, and Jamie's is unfinished because he just died, and so she fills in basically the end of his character arc in a really glowing pro Jamie way, and it is a very beautiful scene. I think probably the best scene of the episode. With tears in her eyes, she is finishing Jamie's entry. That is now her job as Lord Commander of the King's Guard, or whatever whatever that position is called. She has a raven on her sigil that represents King Bran, and she says he fought in the Battle of the Golden Road. I believe it was called. They gave a name to that battle. And she writes, right, she she paints him in a, in a just light, in an honorable light, ending the entry with, he died protecting his queen. And then she closed the book. And I was like, oh, God. Oh, it's going to smudge, dude. You just smudged it, dude. Oh, man. We get a small council scene that is probably 95% Marvel humor, where... Tyrion's arranging the chairs in a specific way, but then the other characters show up. Oh, they mix his chairs all up, and then Sam's got this book that's an account of the war, and oh, Tyrion's not mentioned in it, even though he killed Tywin, and he killed, allegedly killed Joffrey, and he would definitely be mentioned in the book. He isn't. I I thought it was funny. It was stupid, but I thought it was funny. The book is called The Song of Ice and Fire. Sam helped with the... The name of the book. You might recall when he was in Old Town and he they were talking about the book. He was like, well, perhaps you should have a more poetic name. 
<laughs> and and the maester the grand maester was like no that's stupid but apparently they let him do it anyway yeah sam is now grand maester as we said brienne is commander of the king's guard the onion knight is master of ships and for no reason at all, Braun is the master of war, which is I'm pretty sure is not a position on the small council. Like Danny made one and then they killed her and they're like, that's a pretty good idea. We should have that position on the small council. Right. I think he's also the master of coin. And Oh no, he's the master of coin. Right. That's right. They they mentioned the master of war, but they say they need a new one. Yeah, they need to bring in some suitable. Because Grey Worm people. left. How funny would it be if they're like, Hey Grey Worm, do you want to stick around and be master of war? And like, no. I am done with war. I am going to the beach. (laughs) I'm going to the beach now. And, you know, Bronn gets Highgarden, which is, the I think, the biggest surprise of the series, perhaps? Yeah, that was dumb. (laughs) Uh, They all kind of, like, make little jokes and and, and bicker, and it's very funny. You say that like it's very funny. (laughs) Davos corrects. Bronze grammar the way Stannis used to do which is also funny because you know at the beginning of this he couldn't read and as we're zooming out and Bronn is talking about how they need to rebuild the brothels and Davos is like we probably need money for the ships and Bronn's like that's not as nearly important as the brothels Tyrion says a line he has now said twice in the show this being the third time I once brought a jackass in a honeycomb into a brothel oh yeah and that's the line they go out on oh god I was fine with it. He said it to Lysa Aaron in season four. He said it telling a joke to Missandei and Grey Worm before Danny showed back up in Marine. It's a line he's hearkening back to saying multiple times. So I think it was a, a fitting end to Tyrion's character talking about a brothel. The rest of the episode is like the end of The Breakfast Club. Uh, you can even play that song if you want. Don't you forget about me. And they epilogue the whole show and they're like showing all the characters. Sansa was crowned queen in the north. Arya left on a boat to become Christopher Columbus. Tyrion got to make a small council with all his friends. And John went to be a wildling somewhere beyond the wall. Yeah, right. John reaches Castle Black. He's welcomed by Tormund, and Ghost is there, and James, he finally boops the snoot. Is that the only reason that he didn't hug Ghost in the other episode, so they could make it a callback for this one? I mean, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly why they did it. That's the only reason they did it. The last scene occurs. Jon Snow and Tormund lead the wildlings outside of Castle Black. All the wildlings look happy to return to their homes. After a long time, not having the threat of the White Walkers anymore, the show ends with a shot of them going into the forest with the theme music playing in the background. This echoes the first scene that we got in this show where the Night's Watch are leaving the wall and going into a a land of always winter that is much more, you know, dangerous than it is now. And there will be many interpretations as to what Jon Snow is doing. It, it feels like he might have gotten named Lord Commander again, but he might not have. When I when he walked in, I was like, is Tormund Lord Commander? I'm just wondering what could possibly be the function of the Night's Watch at this point. There are no more White Walkers and Wildlings, so... I mean, they should just be facing south, honestly. The I guess the, the south is more dangerous than the north now. 
Jon Snow got such a terrible deal in the Bran Stark regime. If I were him, instead of saying that he killed Danny, I probably would have just been like, oh, yeah, you just missed it. Jamie Lannister killed Daenerys and then got away with it. There was nothing I could do. He already escaped. Yeah, throw Jamie under the bus and then have Tyrion be like, well, uh, 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 and like, shut up, shut up, man. You're in chains. A few surprises for sure. Davos makes it to the end of this series, which is insane. It's just really depressing to me when showrunners, basically they see greener pastures in the future. So Hollywood's knocking at their door and they decide that they're going to just hurry up and finish their show as soon as possible. And the same thing happened to Lost, where J.J. Abrams saw a huge Hollywood career in the future, so he just cobbled together a shitty ending at the last minute. And it feels like that's what happened here, too. I mean, I think where it's different is that Lost had no idea where it was going towards the end, and they wrote themselves into a corner and then had to figure it out without J.J. Abrams sitting there, because as you said, he was like, I'm out later, and... You know, this show, Game of Thrones, Dan and Dave knew what George R.R. Martin's ending was, and we don't know how similar or different it's going to be from the books, but they but they knew. They knew exactly what the ending was go- is going to be in George R.R. Martin's books, and they either decided to make it very different or, like, you don't believe they made it very similar. But, you know, anyway, I just... The show is gone, man. It, it makes me so sad. Yeah, and now HBO is fucked. I know. And did you see HBO afterwards was running the trailer of like, I mean, they were running a trailer of new shows, but they basically could have been like, please don't leave. Oh, God, please don't leave. Oh, yeah, that's right. We're going to have to do a breakdown of the new Westworld trailer. Um. Okay, here it is. Breaking Bad in the future featuring your robot overlord, Dolores. Listen. This is a Westworld podcast that talks a lot about Game of Thrones because because without Game of Thrones, something as grand as Westworld couldn't exist. I'm sad it's gone. The last two seasons were rushed and broke promises and characters turned on themselves. And there were times during season eight where I stood up and just like yelled at the ceiling because it was so bad. But I think now we have to see what time does with Game of Thrones. I believe it will be looked upon in retrospect as one of the crowning television achievements of our time. I think it will be looked at as more positive than people look back on Lost, although I believe the narrative will entail that the the end perhaps not jumping the shark exactly, but it, you know, definitely got worse. As the finale credits rolled, as characters I loved go off into the world doing other things or died or became a member of the Night's Watch again, inexplicably. Um, I'm just, I was filled with the feeling of like, I'm just so sad it's gone. And every single network is going to have to try to create their own version of this. Something that will get 18 million to 19 million people to stop what they're doing every Sunday and watch their show. Right. And what's going to be the next big thing? Because as excited as I am for them, I don't think it's going to be Westworld Season 3. I don't think it's going to be The Watchmen. Something's got to fill this gap of the biggest show on TV. No, it's and You know what it's probably going to be? The Game of Thrones spinoff. <laughs> I, listen, I feel heartbreak. I feel not a lot of hope for TV. I hope for the best, but, you know, expect the worst. 
Yeah, and I am definitely not excited for the D&D Star Wars trilogy that's coming. I have no idea what that's going to be. I mean, I don't think anyone should have hope for any new Star Wars movie. But you know what? If it's rated R and the Star Wars characters are fucking and killing one another, well, yeah, okay, then maybe I'm interested. There's no way on earth that happens. No way. I I have to say that, like, I've said this before on this podcast. Television is my favorite medium, you know? I, I, the amount that I feel, the amount of conversation that it spurred, Game of Thrones did a whole lot for me. Like, it betrayed its audience more than once, but it was a gift, man. It was an actual gift, give, like a gift we gave ourselves by sitting down and, and giving it our time and letting it give moments back to us. Yes, a lot of the, a lot of the moments at the end were, were dumb. And a lot of the choices were dumb. But, you know, almost every episode gave me at least one moment where I was like, oh, man, that's cool. Anyway, just the the feeling I felt when it was over, when I was just like in my kitchen with my head on a table, I'm not sure that feeling will ever happen to me again or will ever be replaced. Yeah, and I want to thank all of our listeners for joining us for this season. I hope they enjoyed more than just talking about Game of Thrones. I hope that they, you know, kind of liked our commentary or the rapport between us. And if they're into this, they should stick around because we don't just recap Westworld or Game of Thrones. You know, we're sluts for everything on HBO. But to be fair, James, and this is a bit of a tease, but we're also, I mean, we're going to be recapping and reviewing Watchmen when it comes out. Obviously, we will recap and review the new season of Westworld, whenever that drops, we'll probably do the spinoff. Yeah. I mean, let's all be honest. I mean, I'll be very interested to see how many people watch the Game of Thrones prequel pilot. Because I bet it will be a good amount. Which is why I pitched to Ryan a new name for the podcast, The HBO Boys. Oh, Jesus and he Christ. said that was a bad name. So if you think that's a good name, write into the show and let us know. Okay, here, let, let me start my letter. Dear James, I hate that name. Love, Ryan. But also, we're working on a secret project, James. Yeah, that's right. We got things going on, man. You don't even know, all right? We're not losers. We got so much going on in our lives, okay? You don't even know. You don't even know. I don't know why I got so aggressive there. I'm excited for our secret project, James. I think it's going to be really neat. Yeah, details to come. Details will be happening for your eyes and your for your ears oh yeah and one more piece of game of thrones related news ryan and i are from a little podunk backwater of suburban connecticut known as middlesex county what what it's so and right next to our hometown is a town called madison a rich town where our social betters live correct And who should stop in to the locally owned bookstore on Main Street in Madison? The day the finale aired. None other than George R.R. Martin himself. No. (laughs) No, That would have made more sense. But no, it was Kit Harington. He was on vacation and he went to Madison, Connecticut. Yeah, Southern Connecticut in May. Yeah, (laughs) The, the destination everybody wants to visit. I mean, people do visit this part of New England sometimes for vacation, but only ever in the autumn, not really in the spring. For leaf peeping! 
That that's a thing that white people do. <laughs> yeah, we don't know why Kit Harrington was here. Perhaps just to hide. We assume he was just hiding from the world in R.J. Julia's bookstore in Madison, Connecticut, being like, "Can I just stay here? Do you guys have like a closet to be in that I can be in while this finale airs?" Heck, I just hope while Mr. Harrington was here, he stopped by Sal DeMarco's over on Route 1 and grabbed himself a chicken parm sandwich, you know? Everybody knows Sal DeMarco sucks, James, okay? It's, a, it's, the, it's the worst kept secret of Clinton, Connecticut. Oh, no. Should I not say where I live? Oh, whatever. <laughs> yeah, Ryan just doxed himself. He doxed me, dude. We really want to thank you for listening. If you just listen, it means a lot to us. If you want to go the extra mile, you can... Follow us on SoundCloud, or you can follow us on Twitter at Westworld Ryan. You can send us an email at thewestworldpodcast at gmail.com. And if you want to help underwrite the show, hosting the audio costs a little bit of money. Ryan and I eat that expense, but you could offset it if you want to kick us a dollar or two a month on Patreon. Join us here next week when we come out with some other new content I haven't thought of yet. I'm James. And I'm Ryan. And this is the Westworld Podcast. I miss Game of Thrones already on our Westworld Podcast.